he's given us what? A glorious inheritance in the saints that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead there in verse 20. So verse 18 is kind of predicated on what's happening in verse 20, that Christ is being raised from the dead. And then what happens after that? After he's raised from the dead and vindicated by his father, then what happens? He's seated at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all uh, rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named. Wow. If you're, uh, if you're being, if you're being, um, seated in this high place and your name is above every name that is named, that sounds like a glorious position that a king is given, a, p a position of nobility. Don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him or love him, he is the Lord of your life because God has given him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Some of you will bow out of the grace that has been given to you and others will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. And I'll not apologize for this God of the Bible. This is the For the King podcast, and I'm your host, Rocky Ramsey, and I am not actually joined with my co-host, my brother Bryce, uh, this week, but on this podcast, we proclaim the edicts of the king over all his creation that Yahweh reigns. So as I said, Bryce is not joining me this week. I do not have my beloved co-host with me this week, um, my spiritual brother and physical brother, Bryce, but um, we will, regardless, continue on with our series and miss his presence and his wisdom that uh, he usually shares with us. Not everything's great, but it's usually pretty good. So as we've been talking about, we're in the um, Gospel Foundations series that we've been going through here on the Fourth King Podcast, the foundational, pivotal parts of the gospel. Um, and I want to remind everybody here as we continue on this series that Bryce and I are fully aware of pietism and churchianity um, infecting a lot of Christendom today. And we are not um, trying to privatize the gospel to just soteriology or individual salvation. Bryce and I understand that um, the gospel, the good news, is much more than just soteriology, the um, doctrine of how one is saved. So as we continue to go through this series, um, we've talked a, a lot of uh, soteriology has been kind of the crux of um, this series. And the reason why is because the good news is that men's hearts are redeemed by which the following good news that results from that is a sanctified individual and then a sanctified world. Okay, institutions all the way out. Bryce and I are post mill, so we see the gospel having an impact in politics and economics in science, um, all the institutions and all the earth, um, and, and Christ is ruler over all that. So I just want to maintain that and remind everybody that we're not pietists and we're not in the cult of churchianity, right? Where everything's just all about the church and we don't care about anything outside of the church. But we do recognize that the foundation by which God is winning the world to himself is the, the conversion of the world, which includes individuals, um, so, so, so that's why we've been we've been kind of dealing more with soteriology here in in the gospel series. So, 
Um, we've been doing a four-part series within this series of the gospel foundations, and one of those foundational things of the gospel is God's um, um, grace to us, his grace. And um, we've talked about God's justifying grace, his sanctifying grace. We've talked about, um, well, and then lastly, his glorifying grace. So we talked about last week the progressive or teleological um, glorifying grace of God, how we are seeking after glory, the glory found in Christ um, in this this faith that we walk, each and every one of us in Christendom, each individual in Christendom. Um, so continuing on this little mini series uh, um, talking about glorifying grace, um, I want to talk about this Sunday uh, glorification um, in the resurrection of Christ, glorification that we have vicariously through Christ, as we were talking about last time, a teleological or appointed glorification that we have um, been given by God is final in the resurrection. It's kind of founded on the resurrection of Christ, which is, again, a huge foundational component of um, the good news. Um, Christ's vindication over death and sin on um, in his resurrection after he uh, provided at- atonement on the cross for us. So the first text I want to go to to try to make my case here would be um, Ephesians 1, 16 through 23. So you're going to see the glory of Christ in this text, and we're going to see how that connects to um, um, our glorification in our individual salvation and also the glorification of the whole earth, uh, the moaning and groanings of the earth that we see in Romans 8, um, the whole Creation is awaiting redemption and glory. So, so we're going to get to all that. Um, but let me let me read this text first. So Ephesians 1, I'll start in 16 and I'll go to verse 23. I did not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know uh, what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Why am I starting here? I'm starting here because if we want to understand why glorification or glory is final in the resurrection, it's it's kind of built on uh, the resurrection of Christ for the saints in terms of the glory of the saints. Um, we see here that God has given uh, in in Christ, uh, in Christ through the Spirit of wisdom, and of the revelation of the knowledge in Him, and having our hearts enlightened, He's given us what a glorious inheritance in the saints that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead there in verse 20. So verse 18 is kind of predicated on what's happening in verse 20, that Christ is being raised from the dead. And then what happens after that? After he's raised from the dead and vindicated by his father, then what happens? He's seated at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all uh, rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named. Wow. If you're, uh, if you're being, if you're being, um, seated in this high place and your name is above every name that is named, that sounds like a glorious position that a king is given, a, p- a position of nobility, um, an honor, a position of honor, a position of glory. Christ is glorified by the Father when he's vindicated because death could not hold them because he had done no wrong. He was the fulfillment of the law. You can go read that, uh, not read that, you can go listen to that episode that Bryce and I did um, 
uh, I think maybe a month or two months back about Christ and the fulfillment of the law, the gospel and the fulfillment of the law, that Christ was that fulfillment of the law. So um, we see the glory of Christ here after he is risen from the dead. And that's why, moving on, um, I'm going to read from Revelation 15:4 now. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, and all nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So he says, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? Um, you alone are holy. You alone are um, God. God alone is the one that uh, wins the nations. The Son of Man is the one that that wins the nations, um, that has this, this kingdom that we see in Daniel 7 that he's handing to his father. Yeah, you know, and this comes on the heels of conquering the beast being conquered here in Revelation and all that. And, and you know, Bryce and I are partial preterists, so we're not going to go into all the understanding of Revelation here. But the point is, this song of the Lamb after the uh, the beast and and those that have the image of the beast standing beside the sea, and the sea is representing the Gentiles, the the chaotic nations out in the world. Um, you know, uh, right on the heels of this in verse three. It's great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. And then it says, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name and all the things I just read. So God being the King of the nations, Jesus ruling over sin and death. I mean, what rules the nations? It's, you know, Satan, sin and death. And now that Christ has conquered Satan, sin and death, he is therefore the ruler of the nations now. And they, they ought to bend the knee and they will, as we see, you know, in, in Psalm 2, kiss the son lest he be angry with you. So we see the glory that Christ gets in his name, uh, like Bryce and I were getting out from uh, John 17 last episode, you know, it's all founded in Christ and his resurrection. These are the great and mighty deeds that he has done. Continuing on, we see in First Thessalonians, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians 1, uh, 10 through 12, it says, when he comes on that day to be glorified, like the day of the Lord, um, this judgment that's coming when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who believe because our testimony to you is believed to this end we always pray for you that our god may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our lord jesus may be glorified in you and then here it is right here and you in him according to the grace of our god and the lord jesus christ according to the grace so we're being um this is predicated on jesus's judge and Jesus is judged because of what? He's been vindicated by his father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. The, the, the creed, uh, the Nicene Creed. So this is what we're looking forward to. This is Jesus as judge. Um, so he's going to come and when he's judging, he's going to be glorified in his saints. The saints will glorify and respond in worship towards him um, because of their testimony, right? I mean, we're going out into all the world, you know, uh, uh, the Great Commission, we're going out to all the world testifying about who Christ is, who the King is, baptizing the nations in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, for this end that the saints are glorified, that Christ is being glorified in the saints, uh, Paul is saying that we are praying for you, you know, church in uh, uh, Thessalonica, um, we're praying for you. So, um, we, we see Jesus being glorified in in those people, that church, the church of Thessalonica, and that they would be uh, glorified in him. So that, again, back to the last episode of teleological glorification, um, we wanted to make it explicit this episode that it, it's rooted in the resurrection of Christ, which is why he ends saying, um, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it, it's predicated on God's grace. 
um, the greatest gift God has given us is his son. This is the, the great gift that now he rules the nations. He's a gift to the nations. The nations ought to kiss, kiss his son lest, lest he be angry with him with them uh, and destroy them with an iron rod and break them in you know vessels of earth, earthenware, right? These vessels of destruction. You definitely don't want to be a vessel of destruction. You want to be a vessel of mercy in God's kingdom. Um, so again, pushing that point um, of, of our glorification and Christ's glorification, but again, it's a derivative and it comes in a certain order. Jesus is glorified first and we're glorified in him by our union with him, which is what we get in John 17 uh, in the high priestly prayer that Bryce and I started this little series with last episode. Um, so to to cap off this, this episode here, I want to end in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the most, uh, you know, some of these, you, you can kind of see how I'm trying to connect it to Christ's resurrection, his vindication on the cross. Um, and we see it most clearly in Ephesians 1, or, or really clearly in Ephesians 1, which is why I wanted to start there, that he's been given this glory being seated in the right hand of his father uh, after he's been raised from the dead and vindicated. That's that, This is kind of the, the turning point of, of the story, I guess, the story of God um, in what he's doing with his people. And then in Revelation and 2 Thessalonians, we see uh, Paul or, or John, um, the revelator, and then and then Paul in 2 Thessalonians kind of laying out you know, why um, we ought to glorify Christ and why we're glorified in him. Um, but we see it uh, in terms of the resurrection of Christ, mo- the, the most clearly in 1 Corinthians 15, which is just a wild section of scripture. I mean, I highly encourage you guys to go read it. it. It is spectacular. And it really is kind of one of the foundational texts of post-millennialism. Uh, it, it comes in this passage. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful uh, understanding of Christ, who he is as king and what's happening throughout history, um, Christ being the first fruits of the resurrection. You know, what's the point of that? Um, that Jesus would be vindicated and be, be given um, uh, reign. He'd be given a position of authority that his father would glorify him. So um, in this rhetoric, uh, the uh, Corinthians are confused about um, the resurrection the resurrection of the body, the physical body, uh, and kind of how that works and how they ought to think about that. And I think they were expecting uh, the resurrection of the body much sooner. And um, Paul eventually uh, gets to his his rhetoric in that uh, you know his his dialogue in, in this section, and he's 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 keying them into an understanding of um, the resurrection. But even in the midst of that, we have um, some an awesome text about the the glory of. A resurrection of being vindicated from death. Um, death really is when death came into the world. You know, this is what we this is what we see in Romans one that they're exchanging the the glory of God for the glory of images and of, of things made by men, um, creatures. This this is a big no no. This is a big um, issue with humanity that we're switching glory that the glory of God for the. The glory we're giving our glory to something else when God should be given our glory, right? If that if that kind of makes sense. And Adam was meant to worship and to be in perfect communion with God in the garden, but he exchanged that glory for for you know created things when Satan tempted him. So let me read First uh, Corinthians fifteen. I'm going to read forty through forty three, and then I'll dialogue on it, and then we'll end. Uh, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of The heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. 
So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. And then in in, uh, verse 45, he says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So basically saying Adam had to be given life. He became a living being. He, he had to be given that, right? He, he wasn't – he didn't create himself. Um, God created Adam. But this last Adam, Christ, the federal head of the new covenant, this new Adam, he is the one that is the life-giving spirit. Um, you know, And he's saying each of these things have a glory of their own. But um, you know, the, the heavenly – Glory is of another kind than an earthly glory, but the heavenly glory is um, a greater glory. It's a you know this is why God exists in the heavenlies, right? I mean, not that there's not a glory in the physical. God doesn't. God's not gnostic. God doesn't hate the physical. Um, you know, Jesus took on flesh. That therefore, God does not hate, nor is it sinful to have flesh, to have a body. There's nothing sinful about material. Uh, there's something sinful about the flesh in terms of the, the spiritual inclination that humans have towards sin, but we, we don't want to confuse those. When we see flesh in the Bible, this is talking about the fallen human nature. This isn't talking about just the nature of having atoms and being made up of molecules. And This isn't inherently evil. God created it, and it's good. You know, Adam and Eve were made up of molecules before they had an inclination to sin, a sinful nature. It, it's, not, it's not wrong to have a natural body, and there's a glory to that, um, but... This body, because of sin, is deteriorating and is dying. And he says that um, what is sown is perishable. So when we die, um, you know, this this is a perishable existence. But what is raised, the heavenly body, uh, this is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. We die in dishonor. We don't have our glo- our full glory, our glorification. Um, it. Um, I'm sorry. I, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, it's sown in dishonor and it's raised in glory. So when we, when we finally have a glorified body, a final resurrection, this is the great glory by which we seek after, and it's 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 predicated in Christ, who is the first fruits of this um, this resurrection from the dead. Because he says earlier, uh, I'll read in First Corinthians fifteen twenty through twenty one. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man ha- uh, has also has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in all, so as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So basically saying, um, we're waiting for Christ's coming uh, for this resurrection of the dead. Now there's a lot to unpack here in terms of partial preterism and, and postmillennialism. So I'm not going to labor that point. What I'm trying to hone in on here is um, the glory of Christ's vindication on the cross and him being a life-giving spirit because of of his vindication on the cross. That, that's kind of the main crux of what I'm getting at here. So let's remember that um, we are seeking after a glory that can be attained in this life, partly. But there is a there's a type of glory for heavenly bodies and there's a type of glory for earthly bodies. We got to remember what Paul's saying here. But there is a greater glory. There, there's there's an ordering of these things and this this kind of imperishable raising of glory in glory that we will get with Christ when He comes at the end is going to be beautiful. It's it's a glory that we seek after. It's a glory that we want. So part of the glory that we seek after in this life is a, again God's grace is always abounding. It's it's a it's a glory that that. It's predicated 
in the glory of Christ in his resurrection, defeating sin and death. And it's also a glory that we will attain when we will be raised with him as well. Um, so I hope that's a good reminder that, you know, there's there's no sting in death any longer. Um, death has been defeated. So, so there is a great glory in the resurrection of Christ and then our vicarious uh, resurrection through his work in defeating sin and death and, and becoming a life-giving spirit, now being the new Adam, the last Adam, the federal head of the new covenant, which is a life-giving covenant. Um, so I hope that was encouraging. I hope you see what I'm getting at here. Um, this glorifying grace is final in the resurrection of Christ. It's final. It's it's completed. It's done. That kind of glory is secured in Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, it is finished. That's a secured glory. And God gives his grace to us in our ability to see, believe, and trust in Christ, the first fruits of that kind of glory of an imperishable body, imperishable resurrection. And we will get that as well because of our union with Christ. So as we seek after the teleological grace, glorifying grace, we have to remember glorification is final in the resurrection. This this grace of glory is final in the resurrection of Christ. I hope that was encouraging. I hope you see what I'm getting at there. You know, check out the website for the King Um Last episode was uh, abortion apologetics with uh, my uh, brother in Christ Carter presenting that to us. And you can go to that. You can go to the website and actually download the um, uh, presentation that Carter gave with that. So we appreciate Carter doing that for us, teaching us that thing. Um, it, it was really helpful to think about how to um, defend the faith in abortion, God's word that that predicates the human life in in the womb is human life. And that it is murder to kill a baby uh, prematurely in the womb. That, that That's called murder. It's a very simple definition of uh, murder. Um, innocent life being taken uh, without just cause. So, um, yeah, go check that out if you haven't. Go check out the website, ForTheKingPodcast.com. And if you have any questions or inquiries, you can reach me at ForTheKingPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, I always end with a doxology. Um, I'll end with the one at the, at the end of 1 Corinthians here. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Soli Deo Gloria.